0: Hi everybody, and welcome to Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds, a weekly rewatch podcast for TV shows, movies, and who knows, perhaps ways to harden your emotions into a dark little core. My name's Nick Farrow.
1: And I'm Mike Hilty.
0: How you doing tonight, Mike?
1: I'm tired. Tired. It's, it's been a long, long week. Day. It's been a long week. Work sure stuff has. is very, work stuff's been very busy, I've been recording a bunch of stuff. And, yeah, just... Being a parent is is hard because today my my daughter she had soccer practice or s- soccer practice and a game and ice skating and then right after that was a birthday
0: party for one of her friends. In, That's in like like class. two weeks in a row birthday parties for you. Yep. It's, well, they're coming fast and furious. We got
1: another birthday party tomorrow. So,
0: Ooh. and. See, it is what you got to do. You got to convince your kids that they don't want to have friends. <laughs> <laughs> we never go to birthday parties ever. It's
1: it's it, it, That's definitely one of the many parts about being a parent. Like they don't, they don't ever prepare you for stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Teach us how to change a diaper. Teach us, you know, how to swaddle everything like that. I want the elective course on... How do you navigate a kid's birthday party when you don't know
0: anybody? You don't know anybody there you how do you how do you interact with other adults who most likely don't want to interact with you? or conversely, how do you interact with adults who are also equally as terrified to interact with you but also want to interact with you? It's just so many weird and awkward situations
1: a little bit, a little bit. I know for me, I, I have things that I know I'm comfortable talking about, you know, it, talking about sports is pretty safe. Talking about movies and TV is pretty safe, but there have been a lot of times when you bring stuff like that up, like, yeah, I don't watch movies.
0: Like, yeah, they're like, Oh, that's right. a shame. <laughs>
1: we'll Enjoy the rest of the party. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Good, goodbye. Oh, I, I had a situation like that come up just last week. We, uh, my office, uh, did this thing where uh the 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 department as a whole got together for a um a, a a lunch and a golf outing and you could choose between mini golf and actual golf and I did mini golf because I'm not an actual golfer so oh. mini golf they split us into teams and they they intentionally put us on teams with people from departments that we didn't really know so that we could get to know them and I was just like, all right, we're gonna have some fun today. I'm gonna meet some new people, and hopefully they're going to be a little bit more open to chatting because I'm good in a group. I'm good in a group, and so hopefully that, that'll translate. All these people wanted to do was talk about work. Oh, and I'm like, no. or or like colleges or schooling or business. And I'm just like, uh, oh, I'm here to have fun, guys. Come on, let's be fun. And so I, I I thought I had him. I was like, all right, I'm going to drop a few hints, see if maybe we can change the topic to something a little more casual. I, I hit the ball in the rough and I had to take a stroke and it got in this really bad spot. I had to shoot it left-handed. And so the one girl says to me, she goes, oh, are you left-handed? Because that was really good. And I was <laughs> like, and I, I pulled out my um my Princess Bride. I go, well, there's something I must tell you. I am actually left-handed. And she goes, Oh, so you are? And I'm like, oh, oh, no. oh no. Show me on the doll where the reference didn't get you, hurt you. And it's like, uh no reference got. I'm like, I can't talk to these people the rest of the day. That's <laughs> just gonna think I'm weird. That's fair. That's
1: fair. Oh, that's that's heartbreaking. Because yep. because not only that, it's bad enough that they're co-workers, but when but they don't get something that like you're really passionate about mm-hmm. or something that you really like that, that just kind of makes it even harder. Cause what at one of my jobs, I dropped a back to the future reference. And I think most of the people that I work with just didn't get
0: it. I mean, at that point it's just time to quit. If you don't get a back to the future reference, like what do you even do with your life? Like why even be here? It's the worst is when you're trying to do a bit and like maybe one person gets it but like no one else never mind just go about your business what are you gonna do the reason we start a podcast is because we're too awkward in real life listen that's true (laughs) do you think we should just get into this episode (laughs) let's just get into the episode (laughs) (laughs) let's do it let's Uh, talk about season four episode five of star trek lower decks empathological fallacies Once upon a time, now this is a story all about
1: how... Have you ever had a dream you, you do, you could, you, you want, you want him
0: to do you so much you could do anything? So, this week, we open up with some narration from our new favorite character, Talyn. She's walking down a hallway with Captain Freeman and Ransom and three women who are all decked out in fancy dresses. And uh, she's writing a letter to her former captain of the Vulcan ship from a couple seasons back. And she's describing life on the Cerritos and their current mission. Turns out this is an Uber mission, uh, one of the classic Star Trek Uber missions. They're taking some Betazoids from Angel One to to Ryza. So my assumption is that there was some awkwardness when they got on because they they said, Okay, what's your name? And they, uh, the three zoid women, were like, "Oh, sure, but what's your name?" And the captain's like, "Well, no, you have to confirm with me that you know you're the right person, so I don't take the wrong people." And they're they're going back and forth, and they're being really cagey about it. But they they eventually got it all figured out. No no canceled trips, no rides were free. Everyone was happy. So yeah, they uh, they were recording it for their TikTok. But no, so the the three zoid women. They are visiting dignitaries, uh, Betazoids, for those of you who are new to Star Trek. Counselor Troy from TNG was a Betazoid. They are essentially aliens who have telepathic abilities. They're very good as, like, ship's counselors because they can read emotions and thoughts. They, they, typically, they, they won't read your thoughts without permission, but they have the ability to if they wanted to. So uh, these three women are Katrat, Cathew and Delorix which yeah, thank, th- thank you
1: for clarifying that because that was one of my first notes was what's a beta zoid
0: because beta zoids yes they are very early on introduced in TNG um you don't actually see them a ton though like they'll pop up from now and again but counselor troy was half beta zoid uh, her dad was human so she didn't have the full range of their powers. She could only kind of feel stuff. Like if, if you were upset, she'd know it. Uh, but she she could only really read minds with uh, like her mother or other full betazodes. Um, She didn't really have the ability to get in there with other people. But yeah, they, they, they're a fun little species that sometimes breaks the show because it's like, well, if you have a Betazoid on board, that would solve some of the problems almost immediately. So mm-hmm. They they kind of handicapped her, but uh, they're usually pretty fun. Like they've got some traditions, like when you get married on Betazoid, everybody's naked. That's Mm -hmm. how you do it. Fully Uh, naked wedding from the bride and groom all the way down to the guest.
1: Little things like that. So and one thing about this, this situation with the Betazoids on board that I actually really appreciated, we're actually acknowledging that they're on the ship because all these other ships are disappearing. So I'm glad that they're recognizing this, you know, mystery element a, a little bit, because I was kind of wondering if there would be, a, if this would be a situation where we're just going to see this keep happening throughout the course of the season, and then Starfleet is just going to know
0: nothing about it. Yeah, I was, like, was a little oh, concerned no. about that as well. Last week we got a hint, and this week we... I. I think it's good like okay they're not just going to dangle a carrot every once in a while like now it's starting to really focus on it so hopefully we get we get even more next week i kind of like how they're doing that it, it's working for me at least the way that they're going about it yeah. so our betazoids are all drinking uh from these really tall cups uh which they call them whale bones is, is that what those Cups from Six Flags are called?
1: Whale bones? I, do, I don't Cause, know, cause but that's lo- what they call them. Because they look suspiciously like those.
0: Yeah, I, I, I thought they were fun looking drinks. Uh, they do kind of look like a big bone. It's thin in the middle, big base at the bottom, big big base at the top. Definitely holds quite a lot of a lot of alcohol, and that long skinny part of the cup is really great for sticking in between people's butt cheeks. Oh, that's exactly so, what Kahu so, does to Ransom. So
1: <laughs> awkward, and it's just, just so funny because just Ransom just breaks. Immediately is like, I'm, I'm free at 1300 hours. And she immediately is like, I need someone that's a little bit more inaccessible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I can be, I can play harder to get. I'm so. <laughs> what do you need me to do? Yeah. So that was great. Play. So uh, she dumps ransom like immediately because he's too easy and uh, tries to hit on the captain. The captain's like, no, no, I'm, I'm married, but thank you. <laughs> and then offers to give him a tour and they, they take him to stick bay where they've got like hangover cures and stuff. They all handle in their drinks and they ask her for a top off. And we go back into her narration. And it turns out this letter she's writing, she wants to go back home. She She's like, I think my punishment on a Starfleet vessel should be over because these humans, they they get up to a lot of nonsense. And I think I, I've learned my lesson take me back. So that seems to be where the episode is going in terms of where t- with to Lynn's story.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie, as soon as she finished writing that message, I I wasn't buying it for for one second, mainly because she is now she's now an essential character. You can't just take her away.
0: It feels like they didn't do a hundred percent of the legwork. I know she said like a couple episodes ago, either on the Vexelon one or last episode, she indicated that she was she was not thrilled to be there and that she's hoping that her punishment will be over soon. But it was a real throwaway line, Bradley King. You'll miss it moment. So I think that really they should have hammered home from the start that she was just this is the worst for her and. This is the only episode that really does it, so it feels a little disingenuous. Okay, that makes sense.
1: Well, next we cut to uh, Freeman, Ransom, and the Betazoids arriving in the sick bay, and Dr. Catch... Her name is Dr. Donna. ...greets them by saying... Ah, I didn't realize there was going to be a buffet today. Uh, the the ladies chuckle, and we learn that in the ancient past, Haitians uh, used to hunt and eat Betazoids. So, uh, Nick... Is that true? Or is that something that just... Brand new information to me. However,
0: it does actually track. There is an old episode of TNG where I think it's a data science experiment goes like horribly wrong. And it de-evolves the crew. And like, so like Riker turns into a caveman. And Worf like turns into like an old ancient Klingon monster that they evolved from. And... Counselor Troy turns into, like, a fish lady. They need to, like, put her in the bathtub because they say Betazoids once were, like, aquatic people. So, like, she's a fish and cats used to hunt them. The only thing that's weird is just, like, ancient Catians had starship technology, but, like, the Betazoids didn't, and so the Catians visited Betazoid and hunted them on their mm. own planet. Like, that's that's crazy. Like, <laughs> I would like to know more. Like God. So. okay fair enough
1: uh, so Dr. Ta'ana uh, says that uh, it was centuries ago and they only eat synthetic betazoids now
0: <laughs> just wow.
1: funny that just feels like a <laughs> plant based joke uh, there so that's funny to me uh, and then licks her lips as
0: uh, Katrat walks by can I- you imagine I- though like I don't eat humans anymore I only eat synthetic humans like what's a synthetic human like Wouldn't question. you be concerned if someone was making a fake version of you to then eat? I don't know. I mean, Super that's weird. that sounds like something that would happen in the future, though, so, right?
1: <laughs> you know, a little, a little Soylent green-ish, but <laughs> oh no, or Soylent <laughs> green adjacent, at least. You gotta tell them silent green is people. Uh, and that's if you don't, fair. if you don't get that joke, then uh, sorry, I guess. Um, hey, watch more movies. There <laughs> we go. So. Katrant is looking to cut the tour short uh because as her hat implies, it's Romulan Ale o'clock
0: somewhere. I love this. I love this so much. She she says she got it on Angel One, uh, which is the <laughs> planet they just came from. And so I, I I came up with some other Star Trek based uh paraphernalia uh, Star Trek alcohol based paraphernalia All that right. hit, she could have bought. Hit me. All right, what do so- we got? So there's, I only drink Orion Delac on days that end in Y. That was a T-shirt. We we also have the the sign that you hang in your house that says "Good friends cling on Blund wine together." <laughs> and then I also uh, am a fan of the wine glass that says "Kardashian canar not be uh, may not be the answer, but it's worth a shot."
1: I don't understand any of these. So, <laughs> well, well played. I, I would probably buy the uh, good friends Klingon blood wine together. There you That's, go.
0: That sounds interesting.
1: Well, we, uh, we, maybe we'll just have to ask our
0: respective wives if that is the case. So. Oh, Julie would love that one. Scott,
1: you just don't get it, do you? You don't. So, Talin shows up uh, with more drinks, but is told that there's no need. Uh, They are on their way to the bar. Uh, Dr. Ta'ana grabs one and pounds it.
0: Pounds it down
1: super quick.
0: Time to get to surgery. So we cut to 10 forward and there is a great party going on. It's just merrymaking all around. And we get some more voiceover from Ta'lin. She, She says such infectious frivolity would never be tolerated on a Vulcan ship. And she's just really trying to make the case that if she was reinstated to the Vulcan fleet, she would definitely stop being so chaotic and that, you know, her punishment should be over. Like, listen, I, I get it. These Starfleets are super all over the place. I have seen how that is how you see me and I get it. And I'm not going to do that anymore. So she goes and tries to send the message, but it keeps coming back as an error. And she literally hits the button like four or five times. And you could see her getting visibly distressed by the fact that it's not going through. For a Vulcan, she seems quite impatient, almost contradicting exactly what she was just trying to get at. And I imagine Captain Sokol staring at his iPad and it's just got the three dots just going and going like she's still typing. Why is it not coming through yet? (laughs) Like, do I close it and just check later? Or do I stare at it because it'll be any moment now? And the second I put this thing down, it's going to buzz and there's the message.
1: Well, between that or if... We're we're avid iPhone users and I run into this situation all the time where I'm trying to send somebody a message on an Android phone. Oh, and all the time. just can't, won't go through for some strange reason. It's not even a signals blocked situation. Mm-hmm. It's just... These these two operating systems just don't talk well to one another.
0: And then and, the worst part, you ever get the you send like three texts and in quick succession, you get the first one back failed message. The second one back failed message. Third one goes right through. And then the other two go through and they answer you back like, what? What, that are, doesn't you make any sense. what are you talking about?
1: The moral of the story is that Android phones are dumb.
0: Oh, shots fired indeed so so American Mar- American Mariner America. comes by <laughs> are you are you watching a
1: little too much about this government shutdown showdown apparently,
0: apparently that's what it is Merck Mar- Mariner comes in uh to, to Lynn's quarters and invites her down to the Betasoid party uh and she explains that uh while the Betasoid, she sees her trying to to send the message again and while she she tells her well while the betazoid drum on board, there's a total communications blackout. Talyn doesn't like this at all. Alcohol and parties are cool, but phone calls not cool. Everything about the ship is illogical. She's a little miffed. This
1: was Go this ahead. was a good way to just organically try to have the signal blocked. It's not like some just random thing or it's just be like, oh yeah, just, you know, the signal's down yeah. or something like that. I, I appreciated that because that could have just been just something that I wouldn't have bought this makes sense for what Yeah, it makes sense.
0: You you know, we're, we we don't want anything to happen to these dignitaries. We are we we want to keep it quiet that they're here. So that makes sense. Yeah. As opposed to random nebula is causing interference, which the shows love to use all the time. Mar- Mariner agrees to leave her be and tells her to come hang out if she changes her mind. She leaves, and Talyn, again, continues to try and send the message.
1: So we cut to our two favorite roommates. Nothing can stop Rutherford! Uh, Rutherford and Boimler, uh, in their quarters as Boims, is trying to memorize every single person on the crew. He's trying to memorize all their names, which something, something just seems ridiculous about wanting to do that, because it reminds me of that episode of Scrubs where... JD gets yes! challenged to memorize everybody's names instead of by their nicknames. Yeah,
0: just I remember I, that episode. That was good.
1: We're we're scrolling through names and he's able to correctly identify Murp. Old Tom. Hey! Aye, aye. Big Murp. Real old Tom. Aye. And then he gets tripped up. Oh, it's sleepy Murp. Dead Tom. Hey! Aye, aye. And he just gets so frustrated with himself and rutherford just recommends at that point let's let's just go to the zoid party it just kind of reminds me of a situation in college where you're studying for a test something it's just not clicking and it's like yeah let's just go party and let's just go drinking like oh yeah because that that's exactly what i need in order to get a certain situation right is to get draw logic, right right you got to cl- you got
0: to clear that head there, there's it's the um another round uh, hypothesis there's that certain level of drunk you can get that actually makes you better because you've you've burned off all of the anxiety but you've not burned off your ability to cognitively function
1: makes sense i'm not sure if anyone was expecting such hard hitting science on geeks speak
0: louder than nerds
1: but there you go so good hey, uh, good, good science
0: is nerdy too and don't fact check me it's already been fact checked science uh science yes indeed so so Weimler
1: continues to refuse he's just you know he needs to get this but eventually he says he will go as a reward when he memorizes everyone on the crew which power power to you Weimler. good good for you uh so rutherford leaves and sends the message to to shacks uh that he is a candidate for the
0: program super super ominous
1: that's very cryptic um we even had a quick zoom to rutherford's you know just to his face and he just looks very very suspicious
0: he did but we'll find out what that is a little later because we go back to talin's quarters and she's still trying to send this message but she realizes that it would be illogical to continue the attempt so she she kind of works her way around the problems as but it would not be illogical to go ask when communications would be back up. And I, I disagree wholeheartedly with <laughs> her, because she was already told when communications would be back up when the Betasoids were off the ship. So I know she's just really frustrated. But come on Talent, you know, the answer to that question, Mariner, Mariner, Mariner God, why <laughs> am I having such trouble with Mariner's name today?
1: America, Ooh. yeah, America already. Told her, so, um, eventually it'll be Submariner and you He's know, Mariner, all, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, this it, it did feel a little weird because it seems like she's just unnecessarily psyching herself out. It didn't make a whole lot of sense and it felt very off character.
0: It was, it was probably the only part of the episode that really felt forced to me. Like they needed a reason for Talin to go to the bar because otherwise, why would she? Okay, fine. Show, do what you need to do. I feel like you could have gotten there there better, but uh, she walks down to ten forward, and the party's definitely in full swing at this point. Let's and we get rage the... right party. <laughs> <laughs> it comes after part B, so the uh, they we get glimpses of the crew, and they're all they're all acting out of character a little um, as Talin walks by them. Like we see. Miglimo gets uh, super upset with the replicator. This
1: barely even tastes like a spit in my
0: mother's mouth! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. There are two crewmen that start fighting in the background. Rutherford is running around like a crazy person and he breaks his drink glass on the ground. There are other crew members making out in the background. Like, everyone's really enjoying this party. So, Mariner and Tendi are sitting down. And they, they're excited that Talin showed up. Tendi gets like super over emotional. She's just so desperate for Talin to like her and to be her best friend. And as she's getting overly emotional with Talin, Mariner's just cursing and yelling. And then instantly realizes something's not right. I'm acting out of sorts right now. And then Talin's like, I, I don't i do know what you're talking about. You're <laughs> all acting normal to me. <laughs> this is how you always act. But then Miglimo pulls a phaser and blasts the replicator. Oh, that was. <laughs> She's I, like,
1: okay. I laugh <laughs> I, I laughed really hard at that part because, you know, the soup that he has is just, it doesn't taste
0: regurgitated and he gets nope. frustrated about that. So he really, he bit. really hates that replicator. This, this is enough for Talin to even go, oh, okay. You're right. We've, we've
1: gone, we've gone too far.
0: Something's up. So the Betazoids are talking with the captain and they're really impressed with the 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 crew's rowdiness and the captain is like hey yeah they are a bit rowdy and she she gets on the table and is like all right everybody let's let's take it down a notch but like she's even she's she's even unable to keep it to herself she's like i really want the Betazoids to think i'm <laughs> cool like you got to you guys got to chill And at that point, everyone starts booing the captain. And so then she realizes that, that this has got to be an outside thing. Like Star Trek, some Star Trek shit's going down right now. We need to get to the bottom of this. So uh, everyone starts booing the captain. And she realizes that something must be affecting them outside. It's definitely some weird Star Trek shit going down. And we get a Betazoid dignitary faux innocent slash sly look to commercial. As the uh, the betazoids kind of kind of look around, like oh, I don't know what's happening. Yeah,
1: they don't they don't look suspicious at all, at all. During, no. during during this time, you know they've they've got the shifty eyes, they've got the little smirk. It doesn't look weird or anything like that. Well, we we cut to uh, Boimler and Shack's, uh exiting a turbo lift in a secluded area of the ship. It looks kind of deserted. It looks very quiet. It wouldn't have surprised me if it was like a haunted part of the ship or something like that. But ultimately, <laughs> Boyler is unfamiliar with this area and he's kind of wondering what's the deal. He thinks that Shax is going to teach him some super secret security training or something along those lines. Uh, but it turns out to be a group of security officers just chilling in a break room, listening to an officer doing some weird slam poetry uh about how much she admires Worf, which listen slam poetry is awesome but come on we're Let's in space think-
0: we, we, and there's a giant party going on right now what do we never doing? you never want to accidentally walk into a slam poetry like you don't you don't bring a you don't go with someone to a second location if that second location is slam poetry you need to know what you're getting into that's fired. Slam poetry. <laughs> who who hurt you with slam poetry? Hey, listen, it's more about the subject matter. Like, come on, Wharf, really? Wharf just always effing up left and right. Like, we can't be building this guy's bridges up. It'll get too big for them. We go back to ten forward because you can't listen to too much slam poetry. So, uh, oh, back in oh. ten forward, the uh, the party is still just. It's turning into an absolute rave at this point. I have Mariner suggest they lock everyone in the brig, including herself. I love the brig! I'm going to my favorite place! And Talin proposes that the heightened emotional state of the crew is possibly being caused by the Betazoids. What? There is a dis- no. Yeah, right? I know. No. What a surprise. So there's a disease that affects older Betazoid women called Xanthi fever. Essentially, it makes their empathic powers become uncontrollable and start to influence others around them based on their own emotional state. So if, like, you're super in love with somebody and you're a little turned on, then everyone around you is going to fall in love with everyone around you and be crazy. If is, you're super pissed off, it'll make everyone super pissed off. Is
1: is Star Trek making fun of menopause
0: right now? Because that's what I it mean, kind of feels like. Listen, this is Star Trek making up for mm. TNG slash DS9 kind of making a pass at menopause i suppose because uh, uh. uh there is an episode of ds9 where deanna Troy's mother shows up on ds9 and she's on a mission to seduce odo oh. and because she's on a mission, and she happens to have xanthi fever everyone on the station just gets like they're pairing off in weird things like the, the one kid, Jake, the son of the commander, he, he falls in love with Kira, the security officer. And like the, the weirdest relationships start going on. Like he loves It's, it's literally the episode is, uh, that song love stinks. <laughs> like, but in, in episode format. Ah, so Mariner agrees that Xanthi fever seems plausible. This, this sounds right. And, uh, I like Talyn's still trying to work her own agenda and she suggests perhaps we can open communications and call a Betazoid doctor and uh because uh and the captain's like well we can have we have Dr. Tana and she's like she does not look great right now and Dr. Tana is going crazy in the background
1: as if the cat was in heat or
0: something <laughs> she's spinning around and as, as a non-cat owner I can only imagine that whenever dr taana acts more like a cat it's got to be a lot funnier
1: yeah yeah we i've got two very moody cats right now and yeah it, it tracks. also i do i do love the you know just looking for a solution that kind of fits you know the, you know looking for a good old confirmation bias uh just you know hey this solution fits and i'm just going to convince myself that that's going to be it so yeah. yeah, good for them. If,
0: or... it, if it's Occam's Razor, if, it, if if you hear hoof prints, you go ahead and think horsey, not zebra. Obviously. Cap- <laughs> yeah, right? So the captain doesn't want anyone to know what's happening outside the ship. She's like, Don't, no, we're not opening up communications. And she calls over the Betazoids. The, the, the captain suggests that they go to sick bay because Talin thinks they're, they've got something. And Talin, of course, is like, um, That is not how I would have stated it. And I, I think it's so funny because that's exactly what she said a couple episodes back with Boimler when he's just like, hey, guys, tell him so I need to put you in danger. And she's like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't think that's how we would have phrased that. Please move that. Uh, Maybe maybe state that a little differently.
1: If I if if I were to get something like that every episode, I'd be fine with that.
0: Just, right. <laughs> like, like, that, that's a good that's,
1: runner. Yeah, I'd, I'd be good with that.
0: So the, the, now, now the Betazoids start to get a little concerned here be, because, like, the captain just pretty much point blank said, like, hey, I think something's up with you guys. So they start telepathically communicating to each other. And uh, Katrat's, like, instantly confused. Kathy is like, I think Freeman's on to us. We should act. But Delorix, the leader, is like, hey, be cool. Be cool, my babies. And, uh, we'll just go with it for now. And, uh, then, so then they, uh, out loud, they agree, uh, that as long as they can take their drinks, let's go.
1: So we come back from commercial in sick bay and Dr. Ta'ana is scanning the three ladies on the bio bed and Gans come back all clean somehow, because there's no red herring or anything like that. It just doesn't appear that there's anything wrong with these three betasoids. So uh, Dolores inquires uh, what the doc is looking for and they are very insulted by the insinuation that they are old enough to have xanthi fever, which, you know, like nothing more awkward in a situation like that. Hey, do you have this or anything you like never that? never
0: assume a woman's age or if she's pregnant. I feel like there's one more that I'm afraid to ask.
1: But yes, the the pregnancy thing in particular uh i've i've witnessed it i've i'm i'm smart enough to know it's like no 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 um but i've i've worked with enough coworkers to have seen that happen more than once be like oh you moron you clearly don't have a lot of women in your life but whatever uh they start talking telepathically again and kathu and katrat both believe that their cover is blown uh but delorix t- keeps telling them hey Let's, let's be cool. Let's let's kind of just wait to see what happens. Uh, so even though the scans come up clean, the captain blocks the doors and insists that until they figure out why the crew is acting crazy, all visitors, which is just these Betazoids, they're confined to their quarters, which seems like a smart choice at that point because you don't know what's going on. They're obviously the chief suspects, so just send them to the room so that they can think about it. Uh, it seems so- like a
0: smart choice, but... Like, she seems so unhinged in that moment. Like, it's one of those situations where she's she's talking complete reason, but the way she's saying it is so insane that nobody wants to listen to her.
1: Yep. Uh, at this point, Mariner uh, uh-huh. and Talyn step in and try to talk sense into her. Uh, before before they can convince her of anything, Delorix or orders them to drop their cover. And it is on right now. Uh, so they throw off their dress bottoms to reveal capris, of all things. Uh, and they pull out lipstick that are actually stun batons. Very clever of them uh, to do that. So they they quickly dispatch Mariner and Dr. Uh, uh Talin puts up a small fight, uh, but when it's three on one, there's not a whole lot that Talin is going to be able to do. That leaves the captain, who is the only one left standing, uh, so Delorax pulls a phaser on Freeman, and only Freeman is excited because she was right. They were up to something.
0: I knew it. See, see, you are up to something. I'm good at my job. She's super cool with that. Like, you can take me prisoner. I knew it. Yeah. So uh, we we cut back to the security team playing charades, and Lieutenant Kayshon is making these weird motions, and he's like pointing at a bucket in the corner, and everyone's guessing, and and Boimler just does not seem to be into it, and he he immediately guesses that he's doing Constable Odo from Deep Space Nine, and everyone's like, ah, oh, yeah, Boimler, he's just he's not having it, just, and uh, which is weird. This does
1: seem like something that would be right up his alley.
0: You would think, you would think, but I suppose if you wanted to study and you're trying to do work and you're trying to be better at your job and you get invited to something you think is going to help you with that, but everyone just wants to play games, maybe he's just not in the mood. He's unhappy with his situation, but, and Shax immediately notices this and asks him, what, what's the problem? And when admits, he's like, I thought we were going to do something fun, like training how to fight or something, because... That's not a Boimler task. Boimler doesn't do things like that. Boimler always plays games. He never gets to do security stuff. So Shax says that training sometimes takes on many different forms, not just fighting. And so Boimler, Boimler hears that and thinks it's like a challenge of some sort. So he like jumps on Shax And like, I just love that Shax doesn't even budge like oh, an no. entire human being lands on his shoulders like with the legs wrapped around his neck and it's like he could have been doing it to a tree stump and no yeah. movement at uh,
1: all very very stoic a little probably a little confused as to what, <laughs> what what are you doing
0: what what's going on so Shaq's Shaq single-handedly literally single-handedly picks boimler up he kind of gives him a you got me Good job. He goes, now that you have passed the test, it's time for the ritual. And he pulls out this ornate box that has like a glowing button on it. And uh, he puts it there in front of Boim's and uh, he tells Boimler, you must choose between two sacred security challenges. And the box opens to reveal a puzzle and some tarot cards. All right, and boy-
1: you're hold on. You're in this situation. Which one are you picking? Are you picking the puzzle or are you picking the tarot cards?
0: Oh, the puzzle every time. At Christmas, I was given a three thousand piece Spider Man puzzle. I don't know if you've seen this. It's circulating on the internet. It's it's Spider Man and like a dozen different Spider Men, mm-hmm. and like it's super cool. And it's three thousand pieces, the biggest puzzle I've ever done. And then um, inside that puzzle there was a um, a picture of another Spider-Man puzzle. Same Spider-Man pose, same background, but all the Spider-Men were replaced with all the villains. And so I was like, oh, that's even cooler. And so my wife got me that for my birthday. So I did both of those puzzles. And I disappointed the Spider-Man one was harder. I did the harder one first. The villains one was actually pretty easy because there were more colors to choose from. So it was easier to parse them out. But uh still super fun. Loved both those puzzles. I am a puzzle guy. Long okay. story short, too late. There we go. What about you? Puzzle? Tarot card. Puzzle. Yeah. Puzzle. Puzzle. With of course. Without
1: a doubt. If if it was something else like Uno or Playing Card, maybe I'd choose those, but Tarot cards. Yeah, tarot
0: cards. Nah, yeah, not so much.
1: Yeah. No, no, not so much. Well, well,
0: well Boimler also is like looking at both, and he doesn't, he's not impressed by either, but he says it's not much of a choice. And Shax goes, he's choosing both. We're doing, we're doing both. <laughs> Hooray. And they all cheer. So is not thrilled by the idea that he was misinterpreted there, but what are you <laughs> going to do?
1: What, what can you do at that point? So. We cut to the trio of Betazoids uh, in a turbo lift with the captain in handcuffs. Uh, by this point, it's clear to anyone who is suffering from the effects of whatever is happening uh, that it's starting to get um, sunken, tired eyes and even the Betazoids have it. Uh, so they admit to being par- uh, members of the BIA,
0: Betazoid Intelligence Agency, maybe, um, yeah that was the nice way intelligence agency that makes sense sure. I like that the BIA. Yeah. <laughs> so uh
1: as they enter the bridge uh, uh Freeman takes advantage of the opportunity to alert the bridge crew to save her that seemed like not the smartest move but you know everybody's in a heightened state of
0: disarray so sure why not right I don't know I I I had the bridge crew on this one like the fact that they just let her walk onto the bridge and be like crew assemble (laughs) they all like jumped into action i was really expecting they to put up a little bit more of a fight there okay yeah uh, i'll I'll just
1: disagree with that because it just feels like the the betazoids you know they just kind of had it pretty much in hand so they were Uh, good at their job unfortunately the the agents are too skilled and take out the crew with their awesome karate moves with
0: karate i kick your ass
1: Delorex uses her uh, telepathy to distract two officers by telling them she senses they are attracted to each other uh, while they awkwardly admit their feelings. Uh, Kathu and Katrat sneaks up on them.
0: Yeah, they take them out. I love how uh, Kathu chops the one. Kirk used to do that all the time. It it gave me Austin Powers vibe with the- Judo chop. Judo chop.
1: (laughs) Freeman pleads with them again uh, that- they're allies, uh, you know, they're all part of the Federation, so uh, why, are, why are you doing this? What's uh, what's happening? Delorex accuses Freeman of trying to frame them for amplifying the crew's emotions. Freeman doubles down and insists that uh, they are, but they admit that their emotions are all over the place, too. We're on a multi-planet mission to telepathically look for clues that can explain attacks in a quadrant. God, I need a drink. Again, very glad to see that this is being acknowledged. Yeah. I mean, it is It is a thing. Not that I was worried that this is like fake news or anything like that. I think I was just more worried kind of like what we talked about before that.
0: They could have easily just ignored it. They could have showed us the ships being blown up. And like we kind of suggested at the beginning of the season that that's what they were going to do. The, the Romulan ship and the Klingon ship got blown up. And that weird ship shows up and and it could have never shown up again until the end of the season. And for I'm the f- most part, that would have been fine. I'm sorry, we? So you just meant like the royal we? Well, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because uh, I was wrong in that particular, that one particular prediction. Sure, I made that prediction. <laughs> listen,
1: listen, I'm the dummy Star Trek person who's, doesn't know anything that's going on. You could be wrong just this once about about something. So, you know,
0: all right, it's all good. Just
1: take, take the L with this one because you got a whole I, bunch of Ws with, you know, with I understood that reference. So... Anywho, so Delorex cuts in and says since their cover is blown, they have to commandeer the Cerritos back to Beta Z in order to sort everything out. But she sets course that cuts directly through the Romulan neutral zone, and the Romulans will destroy them if they go through. Very concerning that we've gotten, uh, gotten to that point. Seems kind of like a weird decision, but, you know, plot
0: point. Maybe well, they're also they're also having their emotions heightened, they're all super paranoid, they want to get back to beta z quick. Why not cut through the most dangerous territory imaginable? <laughs>
1: that's that's fair. So Freeman insists they will never get away with it because her crew has realized something is amiss. Uh, any second now, and then we have a quick cut, uh, optical flip. Uh, back in 10 forward. The crew are mostly half naked building a human... If you could only hear yourselves. ...pyramid, which collapses uh, as Tendi gets to the top, and it collapses with all of them just laughing like morons. Yeah, they are. It's a good party. I mean, that sounds like something that would happen at a ridiculous party like that. I don't think I've ever gone to a party where... A, a human pyramid was a thing, but I know that I've seen some weird stuff at parties when people get drunk.
0: So you're going yeah. to the wrong parties if you don't have human pyramid parties. I guess so. Uh, I guess I joined Are the human wrong Human pyramid parties, college. gateway parties to human centipede parties. Oh,
1: so sorry, Kylo, but
0: I am starving. Maybe, up, maybe up, not. Up, no, not. Yeah. Probably. Hey, (laughs) do not get
1: to you. Try it, folks. You heard it here first. That human uh, pyramid uh, party is the gateway to the human centipede. More science. There you go.
0: Yes. So uh, we we go to sick bay next, where uh, Talin, Taana, and Mariner are all tied up. Taana, though, very quickly uses her claws to break free. And just like, in a whirlwind, uh, unties the rest of them and then just is on the hunt. She goes nuts and she's ready to take out the Beta Zeds with this crazed look in her eye. Even as Mariner's trying to stop her, like, come on, we got to come up with a plan. She is just gone.
1: Time to shred those party girls into brisket.
0: Which is, you know, it's just a shame. She, She took an oath not to consume her patients. Contradicts a little bit for a doctor. You know, everyone's in a heightened state, so it's all good. Exactly. Sometimes you just gotta eat a few patients. Obviously. (laughs) Talyn, as she's getting up, she notices uh, Doc's tricorder is still scanning, and it looks like the source of the psychic's disturbance is... Wait for it! Talyn! Dun-dun-dun! Never would have thought that (laughs) would have been a thing. Well, I mean, you you shouldn't have
1: really i i i I shouldn't have like you're just (laughs) talking about me specifically or us noobs over here who
0: well i mean if you want to categorize yourselves in a (laughs) team noob uh no i mean i wouldn't have expected anybody who's not familiar with star trek to not have figured that out but like even i was a little like Oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> it's like I was right on board with the oh, it's the betazoids. The betazoids got to be up to something. Although I did start to notice in the the turbo lift, like you could see the sunken bags on one of their eyes. So you're, it's just like, well, wait a minute. If the betazoids are doing it, why does it look like they're also being influenced here? But it makes total sense to Lin. Being a Vulcan has a very similar affliction that Vulcans have to deal with. So as she uh, she punches it up on the computer screen, Mariner is super confused by this. But Talin explains that Vulcans can't get Xanthi fever, but they can get Bendai syndrome, which is super similar. It essentially it's when Vulcans get to a certain age and they can't control their psychic output. And so people start behaving in the manner in which their emotions are being uh, projected. So if you're super frustrated with something, it literally will send out psychic waves to like screw with everybody around you. And it's more than just if I'm frustrated, you'll be frustrated. If I'm frustrated and experiencing a well of emotions, you will experience whatever. Like whatever you're feeling in that moment is going to be amplified tenfold. So we've seen this before in uh, previous season of The Next Generation, which I'll go into a little bit more detail later. Mariners, like uh, you said, older women and uh, Talin's like, yeah, but I doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm only 62 only, and only, only... 62. <laughs> so, well, that's that's young for a Vulcan. Uh, as Mariner indicates, it's a quarter-life crisis. And uh, when Boimler hit his quarter-life crisis, he grew a mustache, and it looked ridiculous. But they have to figure out a way to save the captain, so off they go.
1: I'll have to figure it out later. I have to rescue my mommy! So up on the bridge, Freeman notices that the Betazoids are at each other's throats a bit, so they indicate that the Romulans will torture her for intel if they are captured. So uh, this, uh, this, you know... Peaks uh, Delorex's interest and she attempts to read Freeman's mind. uh, And then she begins thinking back to the start of the episode when uh, Cthulhu called Delorex a a sanctimonious buzzkill behind her back. Which, what better way to turn people against each other than to see see what people are saying when you're not around. You know, seems... That worked
0: out in her favor. Seems kind of like a dick move, but you know... (laughs) whatever it's some quick it's, thinking uh, on the captain's part literally considering,
1: considering the uh the circumstances that everyone's in yes i would have to agree so uh this upsets delorex and uh she calls out kathu uh which starts a huge fight among all the beta zoids giving the captain a chance to set off a red alert uh so back at the security officers game night Jackson and boimler are playing with the tarot cards uh boimler tells shacks he wishes they were kicking ass uh, which it seems like that was the secret word, because Shax takes offense to that. There is more to being in security than just kicking ass. So, Bold Boimler makes an appearance and starts uh, giving it to Shax and making the team feel bad. Uh, all they do is play games on the Cali class ship. I just want to see
0: some action! And my weekly plea to my wife somehow makes it into the episode.
1: Uh, just then, the red alert sounds, and the security team springs into action, grabbing phasers and bigger phasers, and Boimler gets super excited and chases after them. He gets a little excited, but also you can tell he's a little nervous. That's
0: oh, yeah, he's so freaked out. But, he's, like, he's he's just a, a well of emotions, which is weird. Everybody else on the ship is a well of emotions because of Talin. But, like, the security team somehow completely unaffected by this the entire time. Okay, uh, we'll overlook that. For,
1: they they yeah. must be on a completely different part of the ship maybe proximity is is the issue
0: that's probably it so we got over to mariner and to Lynn running through the corridors and they run into tendy rutherford and many of the other crew members from the party they heard the red alert and they got to attention none of them really got dressed at all but they were at least hey we know what to do when the red alert button goes off. Tendy asks what's going on, and they explain that the captain's been kidnapped by the Betazoids. And they're all like, "We knew it, it the Betazoids." And then Talyn's like, "Well, actually, it's it's me who's causing everybody's emotions to go crazy." And this this really upsets everyone, and they they kind of go a little nuts. They start chasing Mariner and Talyn down the corridors. Then they they end up having to lock themselves in a in a closet, and uh, Mariner and Talin are just by themselves, and Mariner's freaking out and letting the, her emotions get the best of her. Because this is one of those rare types of problems that can't be kicked in the face. <laughs> Talin grabs at her face, or like right away, and Mariner's like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" It looks like Talin's trying to mind meld her but she's actually just using her Vulcan abilities uh, to calm her mind and to chill Mariner's emotions out, which which seems to work.
1: Which is weird, because if one of my friends just randomly touches my face, calm is not what I'm going to
0: be at all. No, I don't think so. But, I mean, are any of your friends noted telepaths? I guess not. Though. So there you go. You don't know how you'd react if Vulcan did it. I, I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna come out on Talin's side and be like I I'd probably let Talin touch my face. Well, okay, uh, that, that that's different.
1: It's Talin. <laughs> like that's that's fine. I I'm just talking about just a random friend.
0: Fair enough. Thank you. But so so Telyn Lynn calms Mariner down and uh, explains that she feels responsible for, because she believes herself to not be Vulcan enough and here's where i i find myself a little split on this moment so on one hand this is very star trek trope the vulcan in starfleet that fears they're not vulcan enough is constantly uh, coming up so especially with spock spock is half human and so he's constantly at odds with himself like i'm not i'm not vulcan enough i i'm too human I don't find myself to be fitting in amongst my Vulcan peers. There's an episode where the same thing kind of happens with Tuvok, where he's definitely the Vulcan Vulcan. He's super (laughs) serious about everything. We see flashbacks of him, like when he was a teenager on Vulcan, he was unable to control his emotions. He had to get sent away to like a special school. Next thing you know, you're saying they should have their own schools. So like they use this idea that sometimes these Starfleet Vulcans are not always the best Vulcans as a kind of a crutch. Mm. But at the same time, I kind of love that. Like, it makes total sense to me in-universe that if you're a Vulcan and you're working in Starfleet, you're probably one of the Vulcan weirdos. Like, Hopefully. you're not all put together. You have the ability to tolerate humans and their emotions way better than, like, your typical Vulcan could. So I, I, I like that. But by, by Vulcan standards, they, they still consider these humans to be difficult. Lynn still finds everything about being on the Cerritos unbearable, even mm-hmm. though that's exactly how the Vulcans see her. So it's it's a funny little juxtaposition that I think really works. And but...
1: that's that's fair because even even in the new the Abrams Star Trek, the first one deals with that quite a bit. Oh
0: yeah, they make it clear. Yeah. And I mean you saw season two of Strange New Worlds. Maybe that's why it's sticking in my mind a little because of Strange New Worlds, like whenever there's a Spock story, like God forbid we we do something with Spock where he doesn't have to wrestle with his human nature. So Mariner sees that this is really bumming Tullen out and asks, why, why does it bother you? And Tullen explains that she's been the, the message she's been trying to send to her former captain is essentially all about the fact that she's trying to be a better Vulcan. And the communications blackout has really been frustrating her. She just wants to send her message. And she tells she comes clean to Mariner and says, like, listen, this this assignment wasn't intentional. I didn't want to be here. This is a punishment for me for being insubordinate. Uh, They said I was insubordinate, unhinged, and recklessly emotional. She started to think her captain was right. The fact that if she's at, she's 62 years old and she's got Bendai syndrome, which is something that happens when you hit like 200, not 60, like something is wrong with her. And, She's been once again uh, provided an example that uh, she's not truly Vulcan, but Mariner's not having any of this. She she tells her that her old Vulcan crew was crazy and that she, she essentially saved their life. And Talin is the most brutally efficient and distant person she's ever met. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: that. That's that was, that was very nice. Um, And I don't know. It was just, it just kind of just goes to show just how much this crew cares about each other because there's, Usually something like this happens and tillin is usually the one that has to snap someone out of yeah. it. And it's just it's nice to just have that reciproc uh that reciprocation.
0: Well, I'm gonna try it. Uh, reciprocosity? No, that no, that wasn't it. <laughs> you were you were much
1: closer <laughs> than than I. I, I look like I'm having a stroke trying to figure it out <laughs> Reci- in, in my head.
0: Reciproca- Reciproca- Reci- no, you were right to change the word altogether. <laughs> so so Mariner says it makes no sense that she would get kicked off her ship for saving them. That's ridiculous. And Talyn agrees, like, you know what, you're right, that the punishment doesn't exactly seem to fit the crime. Uh, Mariner then says, like, listen, Bendai Syndrome is as Vulcan as it gets. Even Spock's dad had it. He was Vulcan as a motherfucker. Talyn thanks Mariner for what she said. She really needed to hear that. I suppose by the transit
1: of property, I too must be Vulcan as a motherfucker.
0: yeah, logic, bitch. You could kind of see that, like, the tension, like, she unclenches her fists and the, like, the tension is, like, kind of melted away. And Mariner then says, like, you know, hey, talking through your problems is better It's better than hardening them into a dark little core because (laughs) therapy, as it turns out, works. (laughs) And uh, who'd have thought? Really? But uh, yes, it makes me wonder that uh, I I have a feeling the the writing staff is just a bunch of elder millennials. uh, (laughs) Because the moral of the story today is that uh, therapy and uh, therapy works. I feel
1: triggered by this. I know,
0: right? It turns out that this breakthrough has worked. Talin's symptoms have already started to reside. You start to see the effects immediately. They uh, they all start calming down, looking around, like snapping out of it. What are we doing? What yeah, is going exactly. on? Why, why, what is happening here? Why is everything suddenly not as intense as it was a few moments ago?
1: Jax and his team are charging the bridge when they come across an unhinged Dr. Tahana foaming at the mouth and scratching at the floor of the bridge door. And as a cat person, uh, this checks out. It just, yeah, this is exactly what what a cat would do uh, when he or she is super pissed off about something. So Shaxx tries to calm her down with one of uh, Dr. Miglamo's focus exercises, but she hates those and pounces him, but he catches her in one hand. You know, again, good for him. Uh, They're running out of time. The ship is almost in the neutral zone. Uh, so with Doctor Katz neutralized,
0: the warm milk we gave her should calm her down.
1: They are free to take back the bridge. The team storms the bridge and makes quick work of the Betazoids and retakes the bridge in time to turn away from the neutral zone. Big sigh of relief, but unfortunately, we cut to the bridge of the cloaked Romulan vessel, and the entire bridge crew cries out, "Ah!" Just <laughs> I, I they're died. Super, they're super <laughs> upset and we're like, oh, let's let's go hide somewhere else. That was so
0: funny. <laughs> they were all just waiting. They're like, here it comes. Oh, that was that was one of those Trekkie moments. Because every time, every time a ship would approach the Romulan neutral zone from Starfleet's side, a, a Romulan warbird would just decloak. It was just waiting there the whole time. It's like, oh, what do you guys <laughs> think you're up to? This is our neutral zone. They would just be there. How is it possible? They're always just there. Mm-hmm. But uh, these guys, they were super disappointed. They were they were hoping to have a tete a tete with the uh, Starfleet's that day. It was great. They calmed it all down. Every everything is back to normal. And we uh we see the Cerritos drop out of warp right outside of Ryza. They're getting ready to drop off the beta the Betazoids, and uh, we we cut to inside the ship where Boimler is walking with Shax, and he apologizes for being such a jerk. He was confused about the day's activities and didn't quite understand why. The security team would just be sitting around playing games, but like there was no excuse for his behavior. And Shax explains that it's the security's job to not just protect the crew's physical well being, but also their emotional well being, which is a nice little tie into Mariner's realization of, you know, therapy works. Like you got to take care of the mind as well as the body. As someone who
1: works in HR right now and, you know, emotional well-being and mental health are something that we're trying to make big focuses focus on this uh again felt uh felt a little triggered by, by right. this part <laughs> but like in a good way though as well because you know you're you're right there therapy does work and
0: well well shacks and uh america uh, oh good lord i'm doing it again shacks america. and boimler <laughs> shacks
1: shacks in america
0: shacks in america Uh, and Boimler decide that the best way to tackle their emotional well-being right now is to put a puzzle together. And they race off to make the Malcolm Reed puzzle from earlier that was in the box. We cut to the transporter room where Freeman is saying goodbye to the Betazoids. And, uh, they're all doing some apologies to each other. Sorry, we, uh, we took over the ship and almost flew us into the Romulans. That's OK. I totally, you know, accused you all of being old ladies who are, you know, going through menopause. We all kind of looked silly in this situation, but. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> oops. <laughs> Oopsie noodles. The, the beta's is Delores throws uh, Freeman an iPad and says, like, hey, listen. To make up for it, we're going to toss you some of our intelligence. And one of our Betazoid monitoring stations caught glimpse of this mysterious vessel that's been destroying ships in the quadrant. And lo and behold, it's a green, fuzzy image of the ship we've been seeing. And they both agree that it is of unknown origin. They've never seen anything like this before. So the Betazoids say goodbye and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll meet, maybe we'll meet them again someday. We cut back to 10 forward where uh, Mariner joins to Lynn for a drink and she hands her, her favorite cocktail, a uh, room temperature, water,
1: room temperature, water.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> cocktail too. Mariner gets a selfie from Boimler and, and indicates, Oh, it looks like the comms are back online. You can send your message now, but to, uh, Talyn has decided she's not going to send the message. She's going to stay on the Cerritos to, quote, study their chaotic ways. (laughs) So Mariner gives her a big old hug. And at the worst moment, because Tendi walks in and is also wanting a hug. She's like, oh, are we hugging? And uh, Talyn's like, no, not Uh, anymore.
1: Just one person. (laughs) Sorry. I'm all done.
0: So no, uh Tendi is just like distraught and wants that hug. She wants she wants to go do something fun. She's like super desperate, and we uh get funny Tendy banter to credits. You're my best friend! So Mike, did you like this episode?
1: I liked it. It was it has all the mix of all the things that I like about lower decks. It had, you know. It was funny it had some good story moments but it has that kind of like full house moment that a lot of these episodes have where you know hey to you're you know you're you are a vulcan it's all good or or with with boimler in like hey you know you you need to take care of your emotional well-being as well can't forget about that so yeah so yeah i i generally like this i i I would say this is middle of the pack for, for this season so far. But yeah, what about you?
0: I did enjoy it. I saw a review that was kind of bashing the episode. And uh, it was saying like, ah, oh, it was nothing but like a bunch of old Star Trek episode tropes that they didn't even try and make their own. They just kind of copy and pasted different ideas from different episodes and made like a Frankenstein's monster. And my response to that is, and... Like, I loved it. Like, I love that stuff. That's why I like Strange New Worlds. That's why I love this show is because it's willing to give me more of that thing that I like. I really don't mind them copying and pasting ideas from other episodes because Lower Decks always puts its own funny spin on it. Like, Mm -hmm. sure, there was an episode of that we talked about last week where... Three Orions took over the enterprise and commandeered it. And we're trying to steal it while everyone was kind of acting all emotionally crazy. Like who, who cares if they're doing it again? I've never seen three Betazoids do it. Mm-hmm. And
1: right. certainly
0: never seen like Dr. Miglimo blast a freaking mm-hmm. replicator. Right. So like, it makes me laugh and it, it gives me what I love. It's one of those Things where it's like, I honestly don't even know what it would take for this show to make me not like it. They would have to really either break canon or just go so outside the box of what their typical formula is. It's, it's like a warm blanket to me. Mm-hmm.
1: So this this episode also gets credit for bringing, bringing in all of these, kind of bringing the, the story forward with this this mysterious vessel. As well, yeah. Unlike you, I didn't have a prediction that this would be at the end of you know the the season or anything like that. And it's just good just for it to be acknowledged and that this is a real issue that is now being too. I'm looking forward to seeing where the investigation goes moving forward. I hope that this is not just something that's just going to dominate the second half of the season, but who knows? Maybe maybe it will. I'd, I'd be surprised if we got an answer to this by. By like episode eight or something like that. This feels like it's probably going to be revealed in the last episode. There's my yeah. Connection. I
0: I I know. I think you're right. I think the the further we go, the more likely it is that we're going to see a resolution as the the finale. Like to me, at this point, it would be really weird if it's resolved in two episodes and then they just have two final episodes to do whatever they want. That would be what <laughs> watch. Yeah. Watch, that's what they do. Because now I'm actually thinking, like, well, what if it is Badgy, <laughs> uh-huh. and fistful of Badgies really resolves it, and then the last two episodes are a a setup for season five. You'll get nothing unlike it. You you did your best this episode to coax some references out of me prematurely. I did, but I, but but you didn't get them all. So let's head over to our fun segment of I understood that reference. How can you not know that Spider-Man first appeared in 1962's classic Amazing Fantasy number 15? Now I know. And
1: knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe!
0: Say the line, Bart. I understood that reference. In this segment, I will do my best to compile all the references, jokes, and Easter eggs that I can find. This was originally to show off how cool I am. But after a recent basketball conversation involving De- Eric Durant, I'm not so sure cool is the right word. Really, How it's. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, really, it's to help Mike understand why I think the app is so funny and to get his perspective. So, our first one, I just wanted to mention uh, the reference that I found to be fun was the fact that it's th- beta zoid diplomats getting it on an Uber mission. Like they're they're just they picked up these three ladies. One thing we used to always do in Star Trek was transport dignitaries. And one of the biggest dignitaries, well, I guess love it or hate it, depending on who you are. I love them, is the Lawksana Troy episodes. Lawksana is uh played by Madgel Barrett, who was uh Gene Roddenberry's wife. She played Nurse Chapel in the original series and She is she played uh, Deanna Troy's mother in The Next Generation and DS9 Mm. and she would show up once a season and she was an outlandish lady who was very forward, especially with the captain and Captain Picard did not appreciate nobody. Everybody on the ship got really super concerned when Troy's mother was on board. My mother is on board. And it was just like a running gag that I loved. Every time she showed up, there was always something fun. And she got a lot of really good episodes that had that were more than just Luxana's being goofy. Daughter of the fifth house, holder of the sacred chalice of Reeks, heir are the holy rings of Beta Zen. What are you doing for dinner? Angel One is where they picked them up. That is a planet from season, I think season one. Yeah, Riker didn't have a beard. So season one of TNG where uh, it's a it's a planet run by women and the men are all subservient. And it was it was one of those uh, episodes back in the day where it's like, what if women were in charge? Like nothing, nothing dates your show faster. Um, So we talked about the Betazoids uh, being descendants of fish people. Uh, that was I- implemented in season seven, episode 19, Genesis. Deanna Troy turns into a fish. In Talin's Quarters, we have another... This is like three episodes in a row. I actually want to go back and check episodes one and two to see if I missed them. But this Mm -hmm. is the third time now that we've seen an Amok Time sword. There is a painting in Talin's Quarters um, of Vulcan, and there's a giant statue holding one of those swords. That was fun to see. Um, in 10 forward, Talin uses the Vulcan neck pinch on Ensign Barnes. I even knew that one.
1: Yeah. So,
0: but it's funny. The first time that I ever
1: saw the Vulcan uh, neck pinch uh, was in Spaceballs, not Star Trek.
0: He didn't do it right. <laughs> no, you gotta, you got to get it more up here where the shoulder meets the neck. <laughs> like
1: this? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Just collapses to the ground.
0: So oh, uh yeah, so Boimler gets to their secret rendezvous with Shacks and he enters the room and he goes he goes, "Are you going to teach me Sungatsi?" That I I that one I I had to look it up because I couldn't remember. I'm like I know that word. What is that word? Which one what episode is that from? And I feel so stupid because I just watched it like 3 weeks ago. It's mm-hmm. the episode of Voyager with the Rock. The episode is called Sunkatsi, and I don't remember exactly the circumstances, but like this was around the time when the WB was becoming UPN, or it had already become UPN. Mm-hmm. And the big thing on UPN was was the wrestling, and so they tried to do this cross promotion where. Star Trek and wrestling did uh like a kind of a thing. So the rock appears in the episode as an alien fighter in like this wrestling arena, and seven and nine has to fight him. The the type of combat I guess they do is Tsukatsu. And oh. uh that, that one was fun because at that point in Voyager's Run, uh DS9 had already ended. And in that episode, they also had two DS9 actors come back to play different characters. And so it was fun because you got a bit of a reunion there with Jeffrey Combs and J.G. Hertzler. Got it. Okay. So uh, Xanthi Fever, first introduced in DS9 Season 3, Episode 10, Fascination. Bendai Syndrome, Season 3, Episode 23, Sarek. That was a good episode. I love that episode because it's... It one it brings Mark Leonard back from uh the movies. He was also the Romulan in TOS that from the Balance of Terror episode. But so like it's always great to see Mark Leonard on screen. He's he's awesome. He gets to now play old Sarek. He's he's starting to lose it. He's on the ship for a very important like diplomatic thing, but he he's emotionally lashing out at everyone. So Picard has to mind meld with him and take all of his negative emotions so that Sarah can then leave and do the diplomatic thing. And, like, Picard, it's a great acting performance from Patrick Stewart. Like, he is, like, literally all over the place. He's shouting and screaming and crying and as they have him like trapped in these quarters to keep him like secluded and then as soon as Sarek's done he comes back and he makes it right and and Picard gets back to normal it uh it then comes around again later on uh in season 5 Spock actually shows up in TNG in an episode and him and Picard have a conversation like like I melded with your dad and uh your dad was super proud of you and you wouldn't have known that because you never did so Like it was, it was a nice moment that came full circle later on. Odo was mentioned, uh, during charades. Kayshan was pretending to be Odo. Uh, Odo is a changeling who at night he has to turn into goo and regenerate And he lives in a bucket. That's his, uh, his, that's, he was pointing at the, the, the janitor's bucket. (laughs) Mm. I I had to laugh because, uh. Because yeah, that's what Oda does. He lives in a bucket. The puzzle had a an Enterprise NXO one on it. And this dude, that was Malcolm Reed, the armory security officer from the uh from the Enterprise show. I thought that was a nice little touch that they keep they keep finding ways to integrate Enterprise into the show because that one is kind of looked on as like the lesser Star Trek. From the Rick Berman days, so it's nice that it's kind of finally getting its due, and people are just rediscovering it. And and it's not the lesser Star Trek; it's actually pretty cool. Oh, um, so
1: so that's like what Hayden Christensen is kind of experiencing right
0: now. Hold on. Yes, it's, it's Star Trek Enterprise is the Hayden Christensen of Star Trek. Hold on a minute. Hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. Excuse me. At one point in the corridors, Big Murp is uh, standing in the background with this weird headset on. Did you notice that? I did. So, that is a game from the TNG episode, The Game. It's a Suctus game. Like, (laughs) you see these little cones appear in front of your vision. And you got to get the disc into the cone and the cone like sucks the disc in. In the episode, the, the game was like psychotropic and very addictive. And these aliens are actually using it to try and disseminate it through Starfleet to take over Starfleet. Mm. And uh, it was a fun Wesley Crusher episode that I loved as a kid because that one also has Ashley Judd in it. As they're running away from the mob, uh, Tillman and Mariner... Uh, they pass these two guys that are kind of like half-dressed and holding like American Gladiator staffs. Those outfits and the staffs are from a game called Ambo Jitsu, mm-hmm. which was first introduced in TNG, um, The Icarus Factor with Riker's dad. You essentially put like a visor over your face so you can't see without the use of the force. With the blast shield down, I can't even see. How am I supposed to fight? You have to use those staffs to detect your opponent and then like knock them over. And like the uh, the one end of the staff like beeps at you when you're near someone Mm. that also appeared in an episode of Lower Decks where Wimler and Rutherford try to uh, take out Mariner while playing it, but she kicks their asses. It's fantastic. They're like, we've been practicing nights and she has no idea what she's in for because apparently she always beats them. Mm. But she takes them on together and she's like, all right, a challenge. And she goes like full mode on them. Mm -hmm. They're like running away screaming. Um, let's see, I got two more. Oh, this one was probably my favorite reference of the entire episode. So, after uh, Mariner and Talin get to the the root of the problem, Talin stands up, and as she's doing so, she pulls down on her shirt
1: Mm -hmm. and like
0: adjusts it. That is a TNG staple. It's the classic shirt pull. When they changed the uniforms in season three to the back zip, they rode up. They were like wearing, it was like wearing a jacket backwards. So every time they'd sit down, they would kind of bunch up a little. So every time, and I guess Patrick Stewart started doing this and then everyone just started like doing it in suit. Every time they would stand up, they'd have to pull down on their shirts to straighten it out. So it would look nice. And it just became, instead of like, cutting and like fixing the the outfit they would just they just left it in so from like season three on they were constantly doing it and mm-hmm. like now you'll never not see it when you watch an episode of TNG. and so uh-huh. I, I just thought it was funny someone took the time to animate them doing that one little detail mm-hmm. and then uh, lastly ryza is uh, a place that we've been to many times in star trek it's the sexy party vacation planet where uh everybody goes to, to blow off steam and let loose. All right. And those were all the references that I understood.
1: I'm a little confused why there isn't anything in here about a human pyramid. I said no, yes. Mr. Rutherford. The, the context about, uh, you know, the Xanthi fever, uh, and everything like that, that was super
0: helpful just to get. Well, so that's good. Yeah. I can imagine, um, not knowing what a betasoid was. They definitely didn't, uh, Explain any of it? They just threw you into the episode.
1: Yeah. Um. So so yeah, those those two bits were helpful, and then you know, just everything else is just good context, just to
0: just to know. Well, let's get into our final segment. Mike and Nick's miraculous Menagenarium attraction. I'll take you home and lock you in a nice little cage and never, never, ever make you out. Ever- Do you imprison everything you like? Of course. He's <laughs> so feisty, I'm gonna die.
1: I've given these
0: sweet creatures a safe home. Now I have a cute little squirrelly really do pet and love and George and squeeze. The Moopsie is Narge's favorite. Moopsie. In this segment, we pick a character from the episode who stood out to us and belongs in a safe and wonderful home, trapped behind glass two windows down from the Moopsie. Moopsie. So Mike, who was your favorite character this episode?
1: I have three to choose from. I Ooh. really wanted to choose um, Doctor Miglimo, but <laughs> just just not not in it enough, unfortunately. So um, I'm gonna go with Shax on on this one. Shax had some funny moments, but the the whole part uh, at the end when he's talking to Boimler about "Hey, we have to take care of the crew, and that also means looking after everyone's emotional well being" just resonated with me, and uh, just the part where. Uh Wendler jumps jumps on him and Shaq's just nothing. Uh, for for that and just a couple other reasons. You know, Shaq's Shaq's is probably my uh, my person I would put in the menaginarium this week. So yeah. much
0: deserved. Uh how about you? Who was yours? Well, it's funny that you mentioned Dr. Miglimo because I wanted to put him also, but you're right. He just he wasn't in it enough. Another character who also wasn't in it enough, but I'm given to it anyway. Is I'm gonna go with Sleepy Murp because <laughs> sleepy. sleepy Murp gets a name drop this episode. This is the first time I've noticed Sleepy Murp in the show at all. But Sleepy Murp was all in, in that party. She was she was there very not sleepy, like very awake the whole time. So I'm very curious as to how she got that nickname, Sleepy Murp. And now I'm even more curious. Is is Murp like? What what what's going on there? Why is it Merp, Big Merp, and Sleepy Merp? I feel like my prediction that they are Merp people is literally the the answer to yeah, the question. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, it's
1: it is looking more and more like that. So, um, I I completely forgot about Sleepy Sleepy Merp. <laughs> sleepy Merp was definitely someone that I kind of took note of because um, <laughs> I
0: just kept seeing
1: her. Well, and Sleepy Murp is potentially, you know, could be considered an inciting incident because that's the one that Oimler forgets and he gets super frustrated about that. And that kind of leads to, you know, Rutherford seeing is like, oh, we've got somebody for the program.
0: Yeah, right. Well, that's our show. What do we uh, what do we got coming up next week, Mike?
1: So the next episode will be season four, episode six, Hearth. Ferenge's Heart Place. Fun side note, uh, this appears to be a reference to the British TV show Garth Merengue's Dark Place. Really curious to see uh, how, this, uh, how this episode ties in reference-wise.
0: I'm very curious. This show is wild. It is on it's definitely on Peacock. I think it's also on Pluto TV and Amazon. So dear listener, if you go to any of those places, type in garth Marenghi's dark place it's star it stars i don't know the main character's name but matt matt barry and richard aiwade are also big players in it and it's just like this really weird show but it's so funny so if you have a sensibility for british television i would definitely check it out because i have a feeling it might pay off in next week's star trek episode uh
1: until next time please like uh, subscribe uh form a half naked pyramid with your friends and rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. Uh, also, you could find us on social media. Find me on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and serialized at MLHilty2452.
0: And you can find me on Blue Sky, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Jagged2319. You can also contact the show at GeekspeakLouder at gmail.com or on Blue Sky at geekspeakLouder.bsky.social or by searching Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds. Until next time, I'm Nick Farrow.
1: I'm Mike Hilty. Thanks for tuning in to Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds. Catchphrase. Bye, everybody.